From the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania and Sirius XM, this is the Work and Life podcast, which explores how to create harmony among the different parts of life, work, home, community, and the private self, your mind, body, and spirit. The conversation you're about to hear was originally recorded on the Work and Life radio show on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by Wharton. Here's your host, founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project and author of the bestseller, Total Leadership, Professor Stu Friedman. My guest this episode is Dave Asprey, who is the founder and CEO of Bulletproof. He's also a Silicon Valley investor and tech entrepreneur, and he is an alum of my Total Leadership class at Wharton. Dave has a fascinating story, including the years and over $250,000 he spent hacking his own biology, losing over 100 pounds without counting calories and excessive exercise, boosting his IQ by 20 points, and lowering his biological age through less but more efficient sleep. He is the creator of Bulletproof Coffee, host of the highly rated health podcast Bulletproof Radio, He's the author of the New York Times best-selling book, The Bulletproof Diet, and he's a husband and father. We talk about a lot of really fascinating things in this conversation, including Dave's <clears throat> pathway uh, to becoming bulletproof and how he focuses on strengths more than weaknesses, his quantified self-experiments, Dave's ideas about the limits of our willpower and what to do with it, and a number of specific takeaways for you as you think about what you can do to improve your lifestyle and enhance performance. So here now is my conversation with Dave Asprey. Dave, it's so great to have you on the show. Welcome. I'm honored to be on, Stu. Well, it's, it's fantastic to have you here. So you were a, a very successful person when I first met you at the Wharton School. In your career, you, you decided, though, that you'd wanted to, to make some dramatic changes in your life. And so this is now 10, 11 or so years ago. Talk about how and why you made the significant changes in your own life and in your own body. What was the spark? You actually get some of the credit for that spark. Whoa. I think you're... I took your total leadership class, and, and I was already working on upgrading my, my brain. I, I recognized that I was obese, and I'd already lost a lot of the weight before I met you. Mm-hmm. Still, you were, pretty, that, you were pretty chunky when, I, when you were in my class. Yeah, I wasn't 300 pounds chunky. I was probably like you know, 250, 260 chunky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd lost half the weight that I wanted to lose. And it was, it was interesting to understand that I needed to get my working right in order to get the emotional and even some of the spiritual things that, that mm-hmm. we're capable of doing when we're performing really well. And what happened when I was in your total leadership class was you forced, or maybe at least encouraged, a type of quantification, a measurement. And I had been focusing on, well, how much do I weigh? How much am I eating? How, how's my IQ? What's my reaction time? What can I do for those variables? Mm-hmm. But I never looked at investment returns on the time and energy that I put into things. Mm -hmm. And it was your framework that said, hey, uh, if you're spending a lot of energy here and you're not getting results, 
maybe you should do that. And that made me start looking at how do I make it easier instead of how do I just get it done? And it's that sense of ease and the ability to not just do it with struggle and striving and just working really hard, Mm -hmm. but to do it maybe with a little bit of effortlessness and joy. And that's been a big part of me becoming successful as a human being and as a biohacker. Say more about that, this, uh, you know, creating a sense of ease or joy in the process of, well, taking care of yourself, for lack of a better term. How did you do that? Well, we have this this model that I wrote about in uh, in my most recent book, In the Bulletproof Diet, and it's based on the triune brain model. And the easiest way I know of to explain it is you think about this Labrador retriever, a big floppy dog in your head, and... If you look at the three behaviors that dog has, those are behaviors that we have. And one of them is something comes comes in front of your vision, and either you're attracted towards it, you're distracted, or you're scared by it, and you want to run away. And this is a good survival behavior. It keeps you from getting eaten by tigers and makes sure you find interesting stuff. Uh, but it might distract you when you want to stay on task. Mm-hmm. And, and then we have this other survival behavior, which is eat anything so you won't starve. And and it works to keep you from starving, but it doesn't work if it's getting in your way. So that Labrador will eat something even if it makes it sick, even if it gets obese. And these are things that fuel us. Mm -hmm. And the final thing has to do with reproduction of the species so that the dog sees a leg and it wants to mate with that leg. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And those three human behaviors can cause an enormous amount of stress and struggle. And the one that I found was most pernicious was mm-hmm. food food because if you're eating stuff that makes you constantly just a little bit hungry or even worse hangry that combination of hunger and anger it it makes hangry every, yeah hangry. okay that's a new one for me uh the its corollary is a hypoglybitchy <laughs> hypoglybitchy all right my producer's yeah. shaking her head like she knows what these terms mean do you really <laughs> she does <laughs> oh my so, god! All right, hypoglybitchy, hangry. What do those mean yeah. in terms of like how it affects your life, your work? Well, if you're responsive, I've had meetings like this at work where I say things I'm I'm embarrassed by later because I was really hungry. And when you get hungry, that Labrador in your body gets gets it starts growling, it gets mad, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then you treat people unkindly, and you feel like, well, I'm just I've done that through. Mm-hmm. I think we've all done that, of course, and, and you get. You get stuck as, I'm going to push, I'm going to strive, I'm, I'm going to make it happen, and you can do that. But it comes at such a cost of willpower. Mm. It, if, if your willpower is a finite resource, you don't want to waste willpower on being hungry all the time. You don't want to waste willpower on doing things that are, that are really hard for you, especially if they're things that are easy for someone else. So for me, I made a resolution that I was going to, uh, to build my life where I spent my energy on things that I was really good at or even uniquely good at. And I would take the things that either didn't bring me a joy or things that were more difficult than they should be. Uh, and I would find someone who enjoyed them or was just better at them than I was. And I would work with them. I, I don't try to address my weaknesses. I try to fill them in with partners and, mm. and can you, with teammates. Can you give an example of that? Uh, yeah. Even though I did go to Wharton Finance, to me is like Valium. I honestly don't like accounting, and I honestly you mean don't it relaxes really you. Like <laughs> <laughs> more, more like it knocks me out. Okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay, so finance is not your thing. So therefore, 
so I hired a, a kick-ass CFO instead of doing what I maybe would have done is I would have poured extra effort into that mm -hmm. and I would have gotten subpar results because I don't love it. And it's the same thing, the same reasoning that came out in total leadership, which was if you're putting all of your effort into this and you're getting very little return from it, then either you need to change your technique or you need to not put that much effort in because mm -hmm. it won't change your return. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so it's a relatively simple example, you know, hire a really good CFO. But if I was, I'm good at marketing, but if I was weak at marketing and strong at finance, I would probably hire a controller and then I would hire, you know, a, a chief marketing officer. So it's, it's really so knowing, knowing what your strengths are and knowing what you don't like and what you're not good at and being clear about where you should invest. Exactly. And it's easy to do the things that you're good at and that you like. And it's fun. A sense of ease can come from there and it's fun and it feels good. Ease. Great word. So how did this apply to your diet? And, and, and further, the, the follow-on to that is, and how did that affect your career when you started making these changes in your, uh, in, in, in your body? Well, Stu, I, I've spent seven weeks of my life with the electrodes glued to my head doing advanced neurofeedback in a program called 40 Years of Zen. And it teaches you using basically a lie detector when, when your body is, is perceiving something that you believe or you don't believe. It, it's kind of an advanced form of meditation. But Talk about some posing. serious data feedback. You're, you're <laughs> yeah. just, so, but, but please continue. I mean, you're, you're, uh, you know, your focus on getting data that helps you to learn is just uh, it's inspiring. It's, it's really quite amazing. So 40 days, describe what, what you did. Uh, well, it was uh, seven weeks. Sorry. Yeah, it's about 40 days. So, so during this time, um, what I, I did, this is part of the, those 20 IQ points came from, from the 40 years of Zen thing. But what it did is it gave me a very keen awareness of sort of the inner dialogue that we all have. It's different for each of us, but we all have this kind of little voice in your head. And what I found when I learned how to monitor my own internal dialogue was that mm -hmm. every time someone put a bagel or a cookie or a piece of candy in front of me, there was an immediate response, almost like a knee-jerk reaction that said, eat that. And then I would say, no, I don't, I don't eat that kind of stuff. And I would tell myself, no, don't eat that. And it, it's the same as when you train a dog. And that's why I love the dog model. You tell the dog, don't eat that. And the dog says, no. And if you've ever seen a, a dog with a piece of popcorn on its nose, it'll sit there shaking and wanting and wanting and wanting until finally it gives in. We're all doing that. If you eat in such a way that induces food cravings, you will feel that those cravings are just hunger, but every time there's food, you'll take your willpower that should be going into making yourself an awesome life, making yourself good at your work, good at whatever that matters to you, and you'll apply it to telling yourself no to eating, you know, eating the hamburger, whatever it is. And since we've shown in psychology now that willpower is a finite resource, yes. there is is willpower fatigue. There mm -hmm. is decision-making fatigue. Like a muscle. Why did I just... Yeah, it, just like like a muscle. Why would we waste all of our muscle instead of on moving forward on basically telling ourselves no to something? Mm -hmm. the, the breakthrough was figuring out that there are things you can do sometimes by avoiding causes of, of food cravings, other times by fueling the body properly so that when someone sets that bagel or that cookie in front of me, I just don't register. It doesn't mean anything to me. My body doesn't tell me eat that. And then I don't have to tell it no, because I'm actually satisfied by my diet. 
Hi, this is Stu Friedman, and I hope you're enjoying this conversation. If you like our podcast, Work and Life, I'd really appreciate it if you'd take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes. We've just recently begun to bring you conversations for free that were previously only available on my SiriusXM radio show, which I started back in 2014, to paid subscribers. So every rate and review helps us to advance our mission to share ideas for action that we hope are helpful to people interested in creating greater harmony among the different parts of life. Thank you. And now let's get back to the show. So you've done all this, uh, what, what one of my colleagues likes to call me-search, right, researching your, yourself. <laughs> what, what, boil it down for our listeners in terms of the keys to a high-performance lifestyle. What have you discovered? Because you truly are one of the masters. Uh, wow, that's a huge compliment coming from you, Stu. Uh, number one, meditate. And there's a gazillion ways you can meditate. You can just do deep breaths. You can take a class on meditation. Or you can do the, the neurofeedback way that, that I've done it. You can do heart rate variability training, which is something I, I use with clients, where you teach yourself to be aware of your fight-or-flight response and how to turn it off. Mm-hmm. We're talking 10, 10 minutes a day for six weeks uh, with a $99 device uh, that, that's called the Inner Balance Sensor, and I write about that on Bulletproof.com. A and, great, incredibly useful website, Bulletproof.com. Oh, thank you. And, yes. And this... This thing, just find a way to meditate. Use technology to do it faster. That's number one. Number two, sleep. More sleep is not better or worse. It's just more sleep. People who live the longest sleep six and a half hours a night. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you should sleep less. It means that people who are healthy need less sleep. That's why they're living longer. Get healthier, you'll need less sleep, and you'll free up extra time every day. Hmm. Okay. Num- Go. Number three. Keep going. Go ahead. Sorry. Number three, don't overexercise. People who listen to your show, people who are high performers, are naturally driven to do things that are supposed to make them stronger, better, faster. And we've been told that exercising every day, like I did, I exercised six days a week, an hour and a half a day when I weighed 300 pounds for almost two years, and I didn't lose the weight. Hmm. And the reason was that overexercise is just as bad as underexercise. And you can get four or five hours a week of productive time back by exercising more intelligently, by doing it right, doing it intensely for mm-hmm. short periods once or twice a week instead of for doing it for long periods every day. So these are very commonsensical, although they in some ways counterintuitive to, uh, or, or counter to what uh, a lot of people hear about in terms of uh, you know, what's out there in the media and in the self-help land. Um, what's been the reception to you, to your ideas and, and methods, um, and whom to whom especially does it appeal? The reception has been remarkable, and it's widespread. I met with uh, the CEO of a of a, a major motion picture company two days ago, who said uh, he asked to meet me because he said, "Dave, I went on the bulletproof diet and I started drinking bulletproof coffee two weeks ago." Uh, the guy's in his mid-60s, and, and he said, I cannot believe the amount of energy that I have now. I feel younger. I, I, 
it's un- unimaginable that just these simple changes could give me back this much energy. Uh, two days before that, at a book signing at Mission Heirloom in Berkeley, I uh, I met a woman, a 67-year-old woman, who had lost 50 pounds in three months. Uh, she's a, a very successful entrepreneur and uh, works is writing a book on neuropsychiatry. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing because these are smart, intelligent, focused people who have been told to do things that were making them fat and weak, and they can tell the difference within two days of trying things like the Bulletproof Diet, of trying good quality breathing exercises. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you need a double-blind study to see, I just got my energy back. I feel like myself again. I didn't care about the bagel. These are simple experiments anyone can do. So where would you advise listeners to start? Somebody who's interested in, hey, this sounds like something I should try. Where, where to begin? There are two easy places. The first one is the Bulletproof Diet book explains all of these biohacks, including the psychology of willpower and food and how that willpower bleeds over into your business performance and your your life performance. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, That book is is a condensed version of the quarter million words or so that I've written on the Bulletproof blog. So that said, on the Bulletproof blog on the homepage, there's a get started or new to Bulletproof Mm -hmm. link. It gives you just the basic things to do. And the whole point of Bulletproof is not to be perfect, not to do everything. It's that if you have a choice, you have two choices in front of you, you have A or B. If we can help you understand on a roadmap that choice A leads you to slightly better performance, even if there might have been a better choice, just make choice A. Don't worry about being perfect. Just always take the slightly better choice. And the difference in your overall performance can be profound from this. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we're going to have to wrap up here, I'm afraid, Dave. I have to say I am so proud of you as a, as a, a wonderful example of what uh, Wharton education can produce. But you've really created uh, a world of your own that is having such a positive impact on so many people. Thank you so much for joining me on the show and uh, continued success in your great work. Thank you so much, Stu. I'm a fan, and I will continue to read your work. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dave Asprey and that you've got some good ideas, some fresh thinking about how to take better care of your body, reflect on where you invest your precious time and resources, and set boundaries to enhance the power of your will to do the things that you know are good for you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work and Life. This conversation was originally recorded on my weekly radio show on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Tune in for live broadcasts of Work and Life on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. For more about today's guest and about previous guests, check out our blog at workandlifepodcast.com. Join the conversation by tweeting at Stu Friedman. And for more ideas and tools for creating harmony among the different parts of life, check out our website, totalleadership.org, and my book, Total Leadership, Be a Better Leader, Have a Richer Life. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends, family, and coworkers. Until next time, I'm your host, Stu Friedman, and I thank you for joining me.